All right, so we're back to cutting room floor and uh, leaning into the book of Numbers, mm -hmm. right? So spend a bit of time in Genesis, a bit of time in Exodus. We're spending one Sunday yeah. <laughs> in numbers. Yeah, numbers. So I thought maybe today would be a good time to dedicate to what else is going yeah, on in numbers sure. that we could learn from. For sure, yeah. And just maybe to kind of give a you know 30,000 foot overview okay. of some of the key things that are happening in the book so that is hopefully you get a chance to read it. That's great. Kind of have some you know placeholders, if you will, as you dive through. And I think one of the first things is to recognize is that the book of Numbers begins as Israel is preparing their journey from Mount Sinai to, you know, what the thing's going to happen is going to walk yeah. into the desert, but intended to go to the promised yeah. land. So there's some overlap yes, with Exodus. For sure. And Leviticus too. So really from Exodus 19, they come to the uh, base of Mount Sinai at Exodus 19. For the rest of Exodus, through all of Leviticus, in the first 10 and a half chapters of Numbers, it's one calendar year at the, the foot of Mount Sinai. Yeah. So about halfway through chapter 10 is when they actually break camp from Mount Sinai to begin their journey through the desert, hopefully for a little bit, but as we'll end up seeing, yeah, that doesn't it's actually, a little longer. It's a little longer, but the intent is to actually get to uh, the promised land. So the, really the first part is kind of where the, the title of the book gets its name from. There's numbers and organization. Hmm. The people are kind of being uh, gathered together and organized so that they can make this journey again to uh, the promised land. What ends up happening though, it's kind of, this, kind of the second kind of theme or idea as you read the book of Numbers is that once you get past chapter 10 and into the rest of the narrative, the people consistently, number two, grumble and rebel on this journey. Hmm. And so it starts off, you know, fairly small and innocent. They're grumbling because of a lack of meat. But yeah. then it kind of ramps up as you kind of progressively uh, go along where Miriam and Aaron rebel against Moses. So these are Moses' wow. siblings, yeah. right? So Miriam and Aaron, yeah. they rebel against Pretty Moses. important people. Yeah, in chapter 12. And, the, and, and it, it's not the last time that the leaders are going to get in trouble yeah. here. Israel, you talked about this a couple days ago, Israel as a whole refuses to enter the promised land. And this is Numbers 13 and 14. Uh, the, the, the Levitical priests rebel against Moses and Aaron in number in number 16. This is where Nadab and Abihu, and there's that weird story of the, you know, the ground opening up. Like there's yeah. just all these sorts of kind of weird things happening here. And then Moses himself, Numbers 20, I think this is really important. He has his own rebellion due to a lack of water. And mm. as a consequence, he will not actually enter into the promised land himself. So that's kind of the second thing, the persistent grumbling that yeah. happens throughout, which kind of leans into number three here. The people's rebellion that we just mentioned yeah. is really linked to, as you read through the narrative, the people's lack of faith or lack of unbelief. Okay. And so I think that's a kind of a key motif to be paying attention to is noticing kind of the fork in the road, if you will, as the people have an opportunity to either trust, have faith, yeah. and or lack of trust kind of choose for right. themselves. That so happens if you were going to do a quick summary, so one is? One is kind of the first ch 10 chapters is okay. the organization leaving Mount Sinai. After Two the is the rebellion. Two is the grumble rebellion. Three is this sort of focus on faith or belief or trust. Exactly. Okay. As kind of a key underlying you know, reason, if yeah. you will, for number two, the, the grumble and the rebellion. And what's four then? Number four is that this rebellion that Israel, you know, kind of repeats mm -hmm. on itself, if you will, provokes judgment and discipline Got from it. God. Okay. Um, so there's kind of a progression yeah. here. So in Numbers 11, there's fire from heaven. Numbers 11, there's a there's quail and a plague. Um, Miriam gets leprosy in Numbers 12. Wow. The people are sentenced to wander for 40 years uh, in Numbers 14. There's an earthquake and fire in number 16. This is just, yeah, you gotta read it this builds. Stuff. It builds yeah. totally for sure. Yeah. And then Moses and Aaron, they're denied entrance into the promised land. And then there's a, a swarm of poisonous yeah. snakes to cap it all Can off. Can we just pause here for a second <laughs> yeah. and just recognize like as 21st century 
folks, uh, we often just have this like super casual mm. approach yeah, to faith for sure. Uh, that feels like numbers is challenging a yes. little bit, right? So like they're kind of grumbly, they're not believing. And then there's all these consequences. Yeah. How often are we grumbly, not believing sure. and think, Oh, no big deal. No big God's deal. gracious. And it's true. God was gracious then. For sure. Yeah. And we'll get to that in a second here, but I think what you're yeah, saying is Yeah, but final. like there's this this sort of underlying assumption mm-hmm. that like we can just be casual. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's a value of our culture, For right? Sure. Like we tend to not dress up. Yeah. It's like come into church, you know, wear whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. The pastors aren't wearing all kinds <laughs> Guilty. of like... Guilty. Uh, <laughs> Well, but it's just like, it's part of our culture because sure. we want everyone to feel a exactly. part. Yeah, yeah. No one's excluded. But with that has this feeling of like, maybe we're a little too casual sure. about our faith. Yeah. And I think numbers is poking at that. Exactly. A little bit. Yeah. And I think that's really important to pay attention to. And I think it also reminds me of something that Paul says in the new Testament, first Corinthians 10, Paul says that these things referring back to the Exodus narrative and the wilderness wandering. So numbers and Exodus. Yeah. These things were written for our instruction, Paul yeah. says. So that we don't repeat it. Exactly, right? <laughs> That's exactly his logic in 1 Corinthians 10, yeah. that first kind of paragraph or yeah. two. And I think for us, looking at the book of Numbers, to see and kind of meditate and dwell on these stories as a form of God's instruction to us, as yeah. a form of gracious warning to us, as, as those forks in the road appear in our life, those moments of belief or unbelief, yeah. those moments of trust or distrust, those moments of complaining or gratefulness, yeah. those are all opportunities to either say yes to God or go our own way. And, you know, we don't often like to talk about this like you're getting at, but there are consequences. There are, you know, things that happen as a result of us choosing our own way and rebelling against God and numbers again, totally uh, highlights that. Yeah. It's hard to avoid for sure. For sure. Now, all that to say is those are the first four right there. Number five and six kind of interrelate here. But number five specifically is that despite Israel's rebellion, God is going to persistently protect and bless his people. Which is this crazy balance with it, right? So you have the like, don't take it to, you know, don't be too cavalier. And yet God is incredibly providing for for them in numbers as well. Yeah, 100%. I think one of the kind of the cool, fun stories with this is in numbers 22 and the f- chapters that follow is the story of Balaam, the talking donkey. Yeah. And so go and go and read talking donkey. If that like piques your interest, it's yeah. not Shrek. I was going to say, <laughs> but Eddie Murphy a, accent. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a real story in the scriptures where the uh, Balak wants to uh, curse Israel. The prophet, uh, yeah. kind of the false prophet, if you will, Balak wants to curse Israel. He makes three failed attempts to curse Israel. <laughs> um, just as, you know, kind of interestingly, as a side note, Pharaoh technically made three failed mm. attempts to destroy uh, Israel. Um, but Balak's third and final attempt is a result in kind of this future promise and deliverer um, to come from Israel him, from Israel herself as, as a nation. And so there's this talking donkey that gets involved in that where it's this really fun, uh, kind of interesting interchange. Mm-hmm. But the point being here that we're just kind of focusing on is that God is, yes, he's holding Israel accountable. He holds the leaders accountable. But through it all, there's this kind of thread that runs through. God is going to persistently bless and protect his people, which gets mm-hmm. to sort of kind of my last point here is that through all of this, there's moments where Israel faces really physical danger and kind of, you know, military battles, if you will. But all throughout these military battles, Israel is shown to be victorious in Mm. the face of hostility. And we might read these stories again, thinking like, oh, is this like video camera footage or just history for the sake of history? But I think it really is revealing God's faithfulness in the midst of a, 
a generation that is full on rebellious and yeah. grumbling and complaining that God's faithfulness perseveres, yeah. you know, really through all. So you of have that. these concurrent themes, yeah. right? So you have all these different themes that develop, but you have two pretty broad ones, yeah, yeah. ones around sort of belief mm-hmm. and provision of God. So the belief of the people, the provision of God, then you have this sort of unbelief and consequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they sort of start intermingling and getting really complex and sort of mirroring a little more of our lives. For sure. Yeah. And this gets back a little bit to what I was saying about 1 Corinthians 10. These things were written for our instruction. And then when you get to the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, the writer to the Hebrews, especially in chapters three and four, really ramps this theme up of talking about this generation and specifically in numbers numbers, and like contrasting that, contrasting that with us on this side of the cross in our invitation to actually enter God's rest and to trust who he is and what he's done. Cause yeah. remember you talked about this too. The kind of the crux of a lot of this is their choice not to believe what God has said, that they were mm. going to enter the promised land and God was going to provide victory. And as a result, they did not experience that rest, mm-hmm. but and but, they died and they, died. it's not like totally. you, they don't just miss out, but they also suffer as a consequence. It's like doubly, doubly yeah. sucky. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, totally, 100%. <laughs> and so when you're thinking about this in, from the new Testament, the writer of the book of Hebrews, again, is constantly, admonishing and calling his audience, his or her audience to this reality of enter God's rest. Do not go your own way. Do not seek to strive and achieve and all these sorts of things on your own, but to posture yourself in humility, trusting what God has said, God will accomplish. Hmm. And it gets back to, I just want to tie this really briefly back to uh, the Exodus story in particular, because God had already promised Israel that they were going to enter the promised land and God was going to grant victory to them. Yeah. So back with Abraham and God calling Abraham, yeah. that there was, a, there was a set time for the people there that God was going to free them and deliver them. When they crossed the Red Sea in Exodus 15, part of that worship song in Exodus 15 is a promise that God was going to bring victory for Israel over the Canaanites. Yeah. So they have been anchored in these truths. Yeah. And there's this invitation to dwell on the truths and promises of God and to not just dwell on them mentally, but to live out into them practically mm. in their own lives. And I think that's exactly what one of the things the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying. Mm. Understand who God is. Hebrews 1 and 2 is all about that, the supremacy yeah. of Christ. And as a result, Hebrews 3 and 4 enter into that that's rest. Good. I yeah. think that's really important for us. Yeah, so it's sort of taking those convictions and living into them. Yeah. Like we sing these songs. For sure. God is good. God is gracious. Yes. Now let's trust totally. him yeah. because he is that for sure. hundred percent. I think the book in numbers, it's, I, you know, if you can get through the first, let me be honest here, the first 10 chapters yeah. might be a little bit, it's numbers. Yeah. So, but you get into these narratives. They're exciting. They're yeah. epic. They're, yeah. you know, really talking donkeys, talking donkeys, and they can keep you going as yeah. far as reading the scriptures, but really to see in light of the new Testament, God's intent for us with these stories to provide instruction and invitation to enter into God's rest That's for good. us. That's good. Thanks, so, Aaron. Yeah.